listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. My name's Eric Daw, and this is the uh, the podcast about guitars, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Guitar Repair Podcast, or uh, the Guitar... I was calling it the Guitar Workshop Podcast. That's kind of cool, right? Sure. I yeah. mean, yeah, whichever. This is my lovely wife, Melissa. She's uh, joining me for the podcast today. Hello, everyone. You know, I listened to my own uh, show. <laughs> I can do that, right? I listened to the last episode and I realized that um, it was really hard to tell the difference between uh, when I was reading someone's question and when I was uh, just talking. So I was trying to figure out a way to make it um, flow better and I thought it would really be helpful if I had somebody to uh, to read the questions for me so I could answer them Um then it would be obvious what was going on. There's someone reads the question, and then someone else answers them. Right? For, yeah. Fortunately, I'm I'm literate and I can read. That's nice. So that, that's, I don't play the guitar, though. Well, I've you, seen people play the guitar. You've but, seen pictures of guitars, right? Right. So that helps. <laughs> That'll do. That's great. That's fabulous. Uh, so yeah. So that's what we're gonna try this uh, month and. I'm getting this podcast done really late in the month, but I, you don't care. Nobody cares, right? It's just, uh, I just do it when I get the time to do it. So, and it's really hard to find the time to do it. And um, it's also being done on such a shoestring. You should see this uh, this setup I've got here so we can hook up two microphones. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, a Dixie cup on a string would be a, an improvement over this. Well... We do have Dixie cups. It's crazy, uh, but it's it works. I think it's going to work fine. And uh, I gave you the crappy microphone because it's my show. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> when you get your own show, then I then you can have the nice microphone. Well. So. Uh, and then this the laptop that I record the show on is really having problems lately. I don't know if I told you that it's actually your laptop. Yeah. Yeah. It's my laptop from I think 2006. Hmm. So that's not surprising. So it's still it's pretty problems. new, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, today it showed me some kind of message about how the memory was full. Oh, well, that must mean that the memory's full. Yeah, so I think it's about, I don't know, I, I actually know very little about computers, so um, all I know is that it's really slow, and it normally doesn't sound, I'm recording this audio right now. And normally it's a very smooth-looking um, thing as it's as it's recording, and today it's really jerky. So this thing might crash, and then there's no show. Well, if that happens, we'll just have yeah. to. 
So if you never hear from me again, then it's because my computer crashed. Now, I'll have to buy, I'll have, I don't know, We I think we have an old computer in the garage I could probably bring out and yeah. maybe I could record it on that or get a new laptop. How much is a new laptop? Well, that depends on what kind of new laptop it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need to get a little closer to the microphone, I think. Okay. Is that better? I think so. I think that's great. It's hard for me to tell. It's actually it doesn't matter all that much because I run this through a compressor later. Oh, okay. And it equalizes out the volumes pretty well. So, all right. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, uh, yeah, we got a couple good questions this month. So why don't you read the first question? Go ahead. Oh, oh, wait. We have the uh, the special audio to play. Hold on. We get Yes, we do. We get stacks and stacks of letters. And the first letter... Hi, Eric. Love the show. I would like to know what kind of capacitors sound best in the guitar's tone circuit. I have heard a lot of hype about those old paper and oil caps, and I don't know if it's true or not. I have read conflicting things on the guitar and tone forums, and I have seen some capacitors Uh selling for 50 bucks or more each. Yeah, that's a ripoff. Let me know what you think. Rob from Seattle. Rob... There's no difference. That's my opinion. The paper and oil, ceramic, uh, mylar, whatever capacitor you're going to put in your guitar, um, there's no, there's literally no difference. And and the reason I know that I'm not just um, making this up or giving you my opinion. I made a box because this started to really get blown out of proportion a few years ago. And I think it started because vintage guitars, if you open up a vintage guitar and look at the capacitor, it's a really old, cool looking, you know, wax thing, something like they don't make anymore. And vintage guitars have this reputation for sounding better. And well, what's different about a vintage guitar? You open it up and there's a very different looking capacitor than what's in a modern guitar. And so people just thought, oh, well, that's the secret right there. It's that old capacitor. Uh, And it's just not true because electrons don't care what kind of capacitor they're, they're going through. They just don't. I mean, it's, it doesn't make any difference. And the reason I know that is because I, uh, had a suspicion that it didn't matter, so I built a box that has a five-position rotary selector, and you can select between five different caps, and I put a one-cent Chinese, like the worst capacitor I could find, on up to like a vintage Bumblebee paper-in-oil capacitor that sells for 50 bucks on eBay. And you can plug a guitar into the box and rotate between all of the caps, and there is no difference. I, I defy anyone to plug into that box and tell me that they can hear a difference, and I've done it. I've, I've challenged a lot of people to do it, and they can't tell me that if there is no difference. But I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that's done it. Uh, if you want to read more about it... Uh, uh, do an internet search for um, the truth about tone capacitors. And there's a guy who went crazy <laughs> and analyzed with uh, audio software, like a like 
his computer audio software uh, analyzed um he recorded um a bit of guitar playing and then ran it through different you know so that the so that the guitar playing would be exactly the same every time or like a note or something just recorded one note ran it through uh this a tone circuit with different caps like 50 times 50 different caps and the frequency response every time was exactly the same. I mean, he shows a graph, and each time he tried it, it's a different color, and it's just all these lines perfectly placed right over each other. There's no difference. So, um, that being said, I like quality. So, I mean, I really like it when I look inside a guitar and it doesn't have a one-cent Chinese piece of garbage capacitor in there but if you're paying more than a dollar for a capacitor you're just getting ripped off man i mean capacitors are are one of the cheapest things to make that go on your guitar i mean cheaper to make even than probably a string i mean strings are a, a buck most capacitors are i mean you can buy a a bag of 10 capacitors for a dollar. So, you know, it depends on the capacitor. There's orange drop capacitors. I think they're about two bucks. Those are great. Those are fine. But if you're paying more than one or two dollars for a capacitor, somebody's just ripping you off. Unless, and here's the only caveat to that, you're restoring a vintage guitar. Because, uh, and it's not that it makes a sound difference. It's that whatever was in the guitar originally, if it's gone you want to put it back to stock because it helps the value and it just helps the overall mojo of the guitar, right? You want original parts in there. So it makes sense to, you know, and those parts are rare. They they stopped making them 50 years ago. If you're looking for the proper capacitor to go in a 52 telly, then um, you're going to pay dearly for it. But unless you're restoring a vintage guitar don't pay more than a couple bucks for a cap. You're just getting ripped off. That's my opinion. You can read others. And uh, you mentioned that you've read conflicting stuff on forums. That's, I mean, I get a lot of phone calls in my repair shop. People are asking my opinion all the time. And as soon as they say, I've been reading on forums, I go, oh, no, here we go. Because I, I, I look at some of those forums and I'm appalled at some of the crazy stuff that's said. I mean, I would say most like, I would say over 50% of the stuff I read on those forums is just not true. People are just sitting in their mother's basement typing stuff about guitars, and what makes you think that they're an expert? Just because they have internet access. So really, you should check with someone who does this for a living before you check with uh, an internet forum. Anyway, that's my opinionated opinion. All right. Do you like that? Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot about the uh, the box. You call it the the lie detector. It's called the lie detector. That's <laughs> correct. Yeah, yes. And if you if you live in the Seattle area and you want to try it out, come to, come on down to Emerald City Guitars. I'm there Monday through Friday. I've got the box there in my shop. You can plug into it and hear for yourself. Will you hear a difference in the tone capacitors? I would love it if 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 you think you can. So. Come on down and try it out. Oh, one more thing about the capacitors. Here we go. Uh, what will make a difference is if you use a different value of capacitor. So um, a 0.015 or a 0.022 
or a 0.047 uh, microfarad capacitor, those actually do make a tone difference. But you're just talking about the value of, of capacitance. The actual composition of the capacitor is uh, is does not make a difference. So, anyway, that's capacitors. Next question, please, Melissa. Hi, Eric. I own a 1960s silver tone arch top, black with white trim and white pickguard. One, how often, if ever, should the strings be loosened if it's going to be in storage? Two, are these necks prone to warp due to the tuned strings? Three, do they only warp in storage with tight strings? Four, what keeps the neck from warping if it is played regularly? Five, if they are pulling the neck, the playing would not cancel out this effect, or would it? Wow, this is... Is this an engineer? (laughs) Okay, keep going. I bought this guitar for $10 in 1997 from a bank CEO. He offered it to my supervisor first, who thought 10 was too high. What a cheap... Oh, hey. Yeah? This is a family show. (laughs) The tuning keys were bad, and I replaced those. That probably lowered its value to collectors, but I bought it to play, not as an investment. When I brought it to work to play while compiling bank data, which involved a lot of sitting, he saw it, and then he wanted to buy it. They say never say no to your boss, but I just laughed at him. It is a cheap guitar, but the thing has some kind of benevolent spirit living in the wood. Oh, I've heard of that. I hate to think I'm torturing my silver tone when it's not in use. Or is it just about sensitive classical high-end guitars that are prone to warp and then only if the wrong strings are used? How do I know if this particular guitar used to have nylon strings instead of metal? When I bought it, it had been in an attic for years and there were old metal strings on it. I'm using Dean Markley Cryogenics. They sound nice and clean and crisp, but that may be a perception placebo effect due to marketing voodoo. Oh, yeah. Finally, can you recommend some kind of general cleanser that won't harm the fretboard or the body? Should I hunt down some Amish craftsmen and buy some secret oil that is all natural and made by mutant bees? (laughs) Or just a damp cloth? Yeah. Cam. Oh, Cam. You know who Cam is? Cam is uh, a a poster on Belgab. Oh, and a lot of my listeners, you, you might not know what Belgab is. Belgab is a uh, an Art Bell fan forum on the internet. And, uh, okay, yeah, I'm a member over there. I'm a fan of Art Bell, okay? If you don't know who Art Bell is, uh, Art Bell had a overnight, a late-night radio talk show in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, and he would just talk about crazy, just crazy things like... Ghosts. Know, and Aliens. UFOs and yeah. werewolves. So, um... Anyway, Belgab collects a very, uh, uh... Eclectic? Yeah, eclectic. A very eclectic group of people over there at Belgab. And Cam is one of the more brilliant minds over there. I mean, each one of his posts is is like a, like a Persian miniature. I mean, the guy, his mind is like a, a Rube Goldberg machine or something. And I mean that in the nicest way, Cam, because I know he listens. You're a brilliant guy, but in order to understand your posts, I usually have to have a thesaurus and a dictionary and a little orphan Annie decoder ring handy. So, and this email is no different. No, actually, this is this is far more understandable than... I, I'm just not on his same uh, genius wavelength. But, yeah, so, Cam... 
Kamazot's Automat is who this person is. Let's go back through the question. Now, I'm a, I, I misunderstood here. He said he bought it from his boss, but then he also said he found it in his attic. No, the boss found it in his attic, oh. I, I'm assuming. So, let's start over. He wants okay. to know if he should detune the strings well, to store it. Well, yeah, so there's five questions. Well, there's, there's a lot of questions, okay. so we'll go through one at a time. Here we go. How often, if ever, should the strings be loosened if it's going into storage? Uh, if you're going to store it for, for a long time, you can loosen the strings a little bit. You don't want them so loose that they're floppy. You know, just detune it a little. Yeah. All right. Stay good and close to your mic there. Are these necks prone to warp due to the tuned strings? Uh, well, guitars are made out of wood and, and they will warp. Absolutely. Do they only warp in storage with tight strings? Um, it has more to do with uh, temperature and humidity. You wouldn't want to store a guitar anywhere where a pet would be uncomfortable. You know, it has to be, um, it can't get too hot or too cold or too dry or too wet. And um, this is an electric guitar we're talking about, right? Which has much lighter strings than an acoustic guitar. And uh, it's not something that I would really worry about too much. I'm sure that this guitar has a truss rod. I think most Harmony Silvertone electrics do. I think. I think that they all do. A lot of Harmony acoustics don't have truss rods, but I think most of the electrics do. So I'm sure it has a truss rod, um, or at least the this, the one that he's talking about. I, I, I can picture it in my mind, the black and white silver tone with... Uh, if it's the model I'm thinking about, Gibson made the pickups, believe it or not. That's a rare silver tone, actually. Cool. It's called the Chris Isaac model, because Chris Isaac... There's a famous picture of Chris Isaac holding it. So don't worry about the neck warping, man. Okay, so let go. Next question. What was the? What keeps the neck from warping if it is played regularly? Magic. <laughs> uh, well, the fact that it has an adjustable truss rod and it needs to be adjusted from time to time. Um, but guitars are under tension, and the the truss rod exerts opposite tension to counteract the tension of the strings. So the strings pull one way, the truss rod kind of pulls the other way. That's a oversimplification, but um, that's, you know, nothing nothing to worry about there. The other thing that you want to do to keep the neck from warping is, uh, you know, if you look at your guitar neck, if it has a rosewood or an ebony fingerboard, you look at the guitar neck, it's two pieces of wood glued together. There's the back of the neck, and then there's the fingerboard. Now, the back of the neck is painted. The fingerboard is not. The The rosewood or ebony fingerboard, and I'm sure that this um, Harmony has a rosewood fingerboard, that rosewood fingerboard is not painted, and therefore it takes on and gives off humidity at a much faster rate than the painted back surface. Two pieces of wood glued together. One is shrinking and expanding at a faster rate, and you get warpage. So in order to keep that from happening, you want to oil the fingerboard from time to time to keep it from getting um, dried out and shrinking because it'll shrink faster than the back of the neck and then you've got uh, 
warping problems. So you want to oil the fingerboard a couple times a year with, say, a good lemon oil or um, a product like Guitar Honey, which is made by a guy named Gerlitz or a company called Gerlitz. Guitar Honey. It's like five bucks for a bottle. It's cheap. If they are pulling the neck, the playing would not cancel out this effect, or would it? If the strings are pulling the neck, the playing would... No, the playing doesn't really have anything to do with it. I mean, it's just... Guitars are just under tension, and um, it has more to do with proper maintenance than whether you're playing it or not playing it. How do I know if this particular guitar used to have nylon strings instead of metal? Because it has pickups, right? I mean, didn't he say it? The first sentence says, like, I bought a silver tone with... I own a 1960 Silvertone archtop. Oh, so it doesn't have pickups, does it? Black with white trim and white pickguard. Okay, well maybe it's not an electric. I would need more information, Cam, believe it or not. Believe it or not, I need more information than what you... No, it's an archtop, it never had nylon strings. I've never seen a nylon string archtop guitar, ever. That is... So... Some of my information I've given you is wrong because it's may or may not be an electric guitar. I, I can't tell from your email, but an archtop guitar would never have nylon strings. They always have metal strings. Whether or not it should have electric or acoustic strings depends on whether or not it has pickups. And you kind of already answered this one, but finally, can you recommend some kind of general cleanser that won't harm the fretboard or the body? Mm. Yeah, the Guitar Honey is good for the fingerboard. On the body, um, those old lacquer finishes are are fussy. If you use a damp cloth, sometimes you get uh, into trouble. It makes this kind of milky haze. I usually use naphtha to clean a vintage guitar, um, which is also... Uh, uh, you could buy it at any convenience store. It's it's Ronsonol lighter fluid. It's the same thing, but it's just a uh, it's a solvent, but it won't affect the paint. But it's really good at cleaning. And then you can either use a, a good polish or a wax. I like I like Dunlop sixty five polish. If you're going to use a guitar a, a polish that's specifically for guitars, Dunlop sixty five is good. Or you can use. Uh, a wax like um, Gerlitz Number no. One Carnuba wax, or I like to buy Meguiar's Car wax. It, you know, shocks auto parts. They make a great wax that works great on old lacquer finishes. Um, it, I think it's just called Meguiar's Cleaner wax, and that's a good product. But that's only for the paint. Don't use that on the fingerboard. The fingerboard use Guitar Honey or lemon oil. The paint use naphtha and a polish and or wax. All right. That's it? That's no it. more about benevolent spirits or anything like that? No, no. Cam, thanks for the email. Next. All right. Eric, I heard your podcast where you were talking about staggered versus flat pole pieces on pickups, and I wanted to say that Jason Lawler's website had some com- conflicting information on there. You said it was all about string balance, and Lawler says that there is more of a tone difference and that it's more about more... It's about more than string balance. 
His website also says that in most cases, the flat pole pickups will give you a better string balance. This is the opposite of what you said. Can you clarify? Just wondered if you'd like to do a follow-up on that. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, Paul, I've read that, actually, and um, it's funny that you bring this up because about five years ago, I um, was talking to uh, the guys on the TDPRI forum, that's the Telecaster discussion page, uh, about this very thing that I respect the heck out of Jason Lawler. He makes great pickups. He knows what he's talking about. But I do disagree with him on a couple of things here. And that's fine. You know, when you're talking about tone, one thing to remember is that tone is subjective. So just because two guys that have years and years of experience disagree doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. Um, There's really just, there's more than one way to look at things. But uh, yeah, he's saying that a flat, Pull piece pickup will give you better um, string balance, and I if there's no simple answer, it's kind of complex. On a vintage Fender, the strings really have quite an arc. So from one string to the next, they have a real radius because they're following the curvature of the fingerboard or the radius of the fingerboard. That radius is seven and a quarter inches, right? It's just um, the curvature of the fingerboard. And so the strings follow that same curvature. And if you've got a flat pickup sitting under a curved um, set of strings, does this make sense? Oh, yeah. Um, Then the middle strings are going to be farther away from that pickup. And so I used flat pole pickups on my telly for a long time, but it was driving me crazy because the D string was too quiet because it was too darn far away from the pickup pole piece. And a lot of the staggered pickups you can buy do what's called a vintage stagger, and the G pole piece is just too high for modern strings because everybody uses a plane G now, where people used to use a wound G, and the wound G doesn't put off as much uh, uh, magnetic um, signal as a plain G. So you have to have a modern stagger to get it right, but um, yeah, I totally do disagree. I I had to switch to uh, um, staggered pickups to get my D string because if I'm playing octaves with the E and the D string, the D was always too quiet. So, um, yeah, that's my experience. I and and I make my own pickups, and and I do a uh, a very subtle stagger. The E and A are the same height. The D and G are the same height, a little taller, and then the B and E are the same height, uh, the same as the E and A pole piece. If that makes sense. So, um. Yeah, and I printed out here what Lawler's website says, and I'm going to read that to you now. Lawler says, If you compare a flat pole pickup to a staggered pole pickup wound the same way, you would get... Actually, I should have you read this. I've got a special announcer here. (laughs) All right. If you compare a flat pole pickup to a staggered pole pickup wound the same way, you would get a little more presence, like a Fender amp presence knob, a little more bass, and a little more overall output from the flat pole pickup. 
Another way to think about it is that a flat pole pickup will generate a little more output without putting more wire on the pickup coil. That's just not my experience. That's Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, that's fine. Adding more wire changes the frequency response, usually by losing some treble and gaining some bass. If you are already used used to using stagger pole pickups, you may find that you will need to turn the bass down slightly on the amplifier because with flat pole pickup, you will no longer have to make up for weak, low strings. In most cases, the flat pole pickup will give you a better string balance. The high E won't get buried in the mix like a staggered pole pickup can. You will also notice that the two low strings are louder than a staggered pole set, and the G string does not overpower the others. Well, that's funny. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Staggered pole creates more of a smeared tone when you play more than one note at a time. You may or may not like it. On a staggered pole pickup, the low strings rarely overpower any amp, but they can also sound somewhat subdued or weak. The low volume or the volume on the G string tends to dominate all others. If you have previously played using only staggered poles and you don't notice any discrepancies with the string to string volume balance, you have learned to compensate for them. If you decide to try a flat pole set, it may take some time to adapt, but once you get familiar with the sound, you'll find they work better in most cases than a staggered pole design. For example, all tellies up until around 1956 had flat poles. No one ever comments that their 1952 Telecaster has bad string balance. Sure they did. They did in 1952, and that's why they they switched to staggered pole pieces is because players were complaining, hey, my D and G strings are too quiet. Also, most Telecasters, Jazzmasters, Mustangs, and Fender bass guitars have historically had flat pole pickups. On Gibson guitars, no one ever staggers the adjustable poles as much as Strat pickups. Well, Gibson guitars have a flatter radius. And they also have different pickups that have a wider range of... uh, uh, a, a wider area... Um, and so it's just a different design. See, it's funny that I just disagree with almost everything on here. He says, uh, Jazz Masters, Mustangs, Fender bass guitars have historically had flat pull pickups. Well, bass guitars, P bass has the split pickup, and you can adjust it. And if you look at how any player has adjusted their P bass pickup, they're slanted. So that so it's effectively a staggered pickup because... The E and A, there's a separate pickup for the E and A and a separate pickup for the D and G, and you can adjust them uh, up and down on each side. And so people always put them at a slant to follow the curvature of the, again, the vintage seven and a quarter radius. Yeah, this is, I'm sorry, I just disagree with Jason Lawler. That's fine with me. I don't care, but this is what I believe. You know, to me, in my experience, staggered pole pieces have a better string balance, and I don't think that there's this big EQ difference. Uh, in fact, I know there's not. I've experimented with it a bunch, so uh, that's my opinion. So, But thanks for pointing that out, Paul. I appreciate the email. It was a fun discussion, and uh, yeah, there you go. Because that's all of them, right? Yeah, that's it. Cool. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining me for the podcast. Did you like it? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, great. Well, maybe we'll keep doing this because it was a lot easier for me to be able to have somebody read the question. Cool. Yeah, it just got confusing when I, I mean, when I'm confused listening to my own podcast, it's not a good sign, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess not. So, yeah, I think this works better. Anyway, we'll take a quick break and be right back with Red with the news. So stick around. Oh, by the way, if you want to participate in the show, and I really wish that you would, uh, you can send me an email. I will use it as part of the show. Just go to ericdaw.com, click the contact link, and uh, send me an email that way. Or you can call the show. I've got a special phone line set up that's just a, uh, it's just a voicemail. Nobody will answer it. Um, and it is 5... Oh my gosh, I don't. I, think I can never remember my own number. You should write it down. Well, where? Where would I write it I, down? I don't know, on your hand. 575. It's not 757? I think it is. I think it's 757 774 8482. Whatever. It'll be in the show notes. Um, you can go to fretfiles.com. That's where the show is posted. Oh, and another thing. Here's another thing. I've been telling people to go to iTunes. Like, you should really listen to the show on iTunes. You should really subscribe on iTunes. Well, iTunes is really uh, screwing up somehow. And they're only posting partial episodes. And so it's like you, you go to listen to the show and only half the episode is there. So don't even mess around with iTunes. I can't fix it. I don't even... I'm not even involved in the process. I don't even know what's going on. I, uh... Uh... Yeah. I would just recommend to you to uh, go to fretfiles.com and listen to the show that way. Uh, that just fixes everything very neatly. So, anyway, uh, be right back with some news. So stick around. Joining me now from an undisclosed location is Red with the Guitar News. Hi, Red. Hey, how's the summer treating you? It's good. It's getting uh, pretty long in the tooth. I guess it's uh, winding down, as they say. As George Norrie would say, it's winding down. You know, uh, I've, I've had listeners and friends ask me, Hey, who is this Red that does the news? And uh, it's always a funny conversation because I have no idea. I don't know. 
I don't know where you're from. I don't know your name. I don't know. And people don't believe that when I tell them that. It's like, well, really, I don't know. Um, <sighs> I just know she's a guitar tech and uh, or has uh, done guitar tech work in the past. And I just know her from the Bell Gab Forum, which I talked about earlier in the podcast. But, um, yeah, so that's the truth. I don't know. If I met you on the street, I would have no idea who you were. No, I wouldn't have any idea who you were either. So Yet just, here we are. That's kind of how it works in this world um, <laughs> of musicians anyway, right? Yeah. That's how the magic happens. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought I would mention that. I think it's kind of funny. But yeah, what's, uh, what's happening in guitar news this month? Well, speaking of uh, winding, uh, Diderio has taken strings to a new level. I cannot wait to get my hands on a set of these strings. Um, I don't know about you or other players that you work with, but the holy grail of guitar strings is something that is going to sound good and put up with the abuse cool. right, that we put them through. Yeah. And I think, I think this has been achieved. I mean, the original guitar string design was, you know, developed by John Daddario in the 50s, early 60s, I don't remember. Um, all guitar strings have been based on this formula, and they have taken this formula and just souped it up, um, literally from the ball end up cool. <laughs> of the guitar string and developed a string that has a wider amplitude range than ever before, that stays in tune longer than ever before, hmm. has a little bit more magnetic permeability cool. uh, for more bite <clears throat> when you're playing and more reaction output from your pickups. Yeah, uh, They're called NYXLs, New York XLs, and I think... I think this is the string that if people haven't picked up their guitar in a while or they're frustrated by playing because strings do cause a little bit of frustration with your electric guitar, I say pick up a set of these. I'm going out to get some of these today. Cool. Diodario's been my uh, favorite string brand for a long time anyway. Um, like you said, they, they did pioneer hex core. Um, strings, I think, if memory serves me correct, they invented the hex core guitar string, and uh, it's cool. They're taking it to a new level. I don't know exactly how or exactly what they've done to make it different, but I'm I'm down. I'm down with it. I like Diodario strings a lot. So if they if they can improve it even more, then uh, that's great. Well, they've gone from the way the wire is drawn and sized. And they've started there. Um, the strings that aren't wound mm -hmm. are actually coated in aluminum, hot <laughs> molten aluminum. Um, so your your E string, your B, and your G are protected from rust okay. and corrosion, yeah. which is new. That's cool. Um, I like the idea of that. Uh, they're tested to bend farther, they're tested so you can really strum harder. I don't know about you, but sometimes if I'm really into it and I'm strumming really hard, I can pop a string 
just sure. strumming chords. Yeah. Yeah. So they they have really gone to every detail of the screen uh, string manufacturer to make every step improve the string performance in every area. So I mean the best news to me was that they stay in tune better. You can I mean that's what every guitar player wants. You can use them, abuse them and they're still going to stay in tune. And for any players that use alternate tunings, you know, that is the best news you could get. Hmm. Um, I think I remember scanning through the article, they said something about how uh, the string was inspired by the cables that hold up the Brooklyn Bridge. And I guess that's why they're calling it the NYXL. Of course, they're a New York-based company anyway, but... Um, and then something about how uh, they've found a better source for better steel to actually make the strings out of, like a more uh, more pure steel. That would, <clears throat> that would definitely contribute to a much stronger string if it was a pure or, you know, uh, more perfectly designed steel alloy is going to make a stronger string yeah. that can bend further and uh, keep its overall tone without losing a feel or getting stretched out or breaking um, the steel that they use just at the very beginning of the wire before it's even wrapped has got to be a good place to start. So, yeah, yeah I did hear that, too, that they're modeled after the cables on the Brooklyn Bridge. So yeah, that's cool. Anything with the New York name on it has got to be extra strong. Yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of questions about what kind of strings... I recommend, uh, a lot of customers ask me what kind of strings I recommend, and really, you know, a lot of the strings are all about the same, and and uh, Diodarios are my favorite, but there's other good brands. The only type that I tell people to stay away from are the ones that have a round core, and there's a few companies famous for making round core strings, and uh, it's really a step backwards. You know, the hex core string was a huge improvement in strings, Going back to a round core string is, is a bad move. They they don't intonate properly because the winds on the round core um, have a tendency to uh, slip, and you end up with, mm -hmm. a, with a string that's not consistent. It'll have bad tuning problems. It'll, it'll get weird buzzing noises. Um, so that's my recommendation. Stick with a hex core string, and if you really want to go with what I recommend, Diodarios are the best, and uh, now that they've got a different brand, or a different, uh, I guess not a different brand, but a different model with this NYXL, um, it's even a, a further step. So, Diodarios, that's what I recommend. And so do about 3,000 other <laughs> endorsing artists. <laughs> so, yeah, and most of the, yeah. most of the uh, uh, famous guys that I've worked for have all used Diodarios, so they can't be bad. Yeah, because of the consistency. Yeah, it's the right. the same every time. And yeah. that's, what, that's what you got to have. If you're going to produce anything of quality, you need to be able to count on the most basic of elements, your strings. Yeah. And I do see a lot of um, bad strings. You know, I go through so many strings, I work on so many guitars that I might I might go through 20 packs of strings in a day where your average player maybe goes through a, 
a pack if he's if he's playing a lot, maybe a pack a week. But um, I see so many strings that um, I see the brands that have problems, and uh, Diodario is about the only one that consistently is good and has the least problems. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely depends on, um, for one thing, how much you sweat. Yeah. And it depends on your environment. Are you in a dusty, dirty environment? Um, strings respond to just about everything and how you play. Um, on most guitars that I've worked on, um, I don't go into the depths of repairs that you do, but the the number one thing that will improve just about any guitar is, number one, a new set of strings, and number two, have them properly installed and, and intonated and tuned. Yep. And that that is the number one thing to bring a good instrument to life. So yeah. my little Les Paul in there, I think, is going to sing nicely with these New York XLs. <laughs> cool. Right on. Well, what else you got for us this month, Red? Well, I'd like to talk about someone very important in uh, rock and roll history and who has really made his mark, and he's continuing to do so with the next generation, uh, and that is James Burton Mm. and the James Burton Foundation. Um, He is in the news lately because his foundation has been putting guitars into the hands of children in the hundreds, maybe going up to the thousands. I don't know if there's a way to quantify just how many children he has affected in a positive way by getting them either instruments or the lessons that they need. Excuse me, and... um, it's still going strong. I mean, this guy, James Burton, he can drop more names, and deservedly so, <laughs> than a baby book. Yeah. Um, he's played with anybody and everybody that's important in even country rock, the original rock and rollers from Elvis Presley on forward. I mean, yeah. uh, he's played with everyone. And now... It just I wanted to end with this story because it's such a heartwarming story about his foundation <clears throat> bringing guitars to classrooms, bringing lessons, and just sort of making it come to the forefront how important music and music education is to children and their development. Um, I just find it a very heartwarming story. That's awesome. And What's his foundation yeah, called? It's the... Let me just get it up here. The jamesburtonfoundation.org. Oh, okay. Uh, where anybody can go to give support to his mission of giving children the gift of music and... Um, actual instruments, instruction, even to hospitals, schools, and veterans. Um, it's a nonprofit organization just to to spread the love and the interest of uh, playing and making music because it's slowly, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's 
being put back on the back burner. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. that's going to help the next generation very much in their development, I think. Yeah. So it's music a. Music is very important just to, to learn, adds personality, adds a little bit of. Uh, how do I say, critical thinking ability that just huh. isn't there if you never have played an instrument. So Yeah, they've uh, done studies, you know, that and children who um, start to learn an instrument, I think it's before the age of 8 or 10, their brains are actually wired differently than children who don't. I mean, it actually does affect uh, your entire brain to learn music and, and to, to uh, learn how to play an instrument. Yeah, it makes a, a huge impact. And just the smiles alone. Yeah. I mean, put down your guitar player, pick up a guitar. That is the best advice anybody can give any young child right now yeah. in our day and age. So this James, um, this James Burton Foundation um, is getting instruments and putting them in the hands of people that might not otherwise have them available? That's correct. That's uh, great. Schools that don't have, you know, um, music classes or music programs that are in decline, <clears throat> he will go in and either get the lessons going again, get the music class going again. If these schools don't have an ample number of instruments, he will donate the instruments to the kids, full classrooms of kids, even hospitals where children can't leave the hospital for whatever reason. Wow. He's known to bring guitars to the hospitals, lessons, so that they can uh, continue or begin a music education that would have otherwise never been there. That's great. So, what a classy guy. Yeah, it's really good stuff. And, yeah, and pure class on his part for it's that. His, uh, and he does have a birthday this month. I was August just gonna 21st. say. I was just gonna <laughs> say it's his birthday this month as well. Uh, so happy birthday, James Burton! One yeah, of my one of my favorite players of all time, and he's a Telecaster guy too. So you know, you know he's not bad. No, and wasn't he known for his own style of uh, chicken picking? Oh yeah, I mean he's yeah he's he's, he's a he's a real instantly recognizable um, player. That's great. Well, if anybody's out in the Texas area uh, this weekend or August 22nd to the 24th, there's actually a three-day festival going on, the James Burton Festival, where lots of lots of names are going to be there, including Ann Wilson and Noel Haggard, the son of Merle Haggard. Wow. And, um, yeah, just a list of names as long as your arm is cool. going to be there. And a couple that they uh, won't mention until the night of the performance. Ooh, so, cool. Yeah, and this is in Texas under, let's see, the, the Municipal Auditorium. <clears throat> under the Tex in the Red River District under the Texas Street Bridge. So hopefully Texans in that area know what that means. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, what else you got for us this month, Red? Well, I did want to mention a couple of other birthdays. Um, this month, Eric Johnson has a birthday on August 17th. Cool. And Diamond Daryl has his birthday August 20th. Cool. 
Right on. Well, as always, thank you so much for uh, doing the news. It really, um, it really makes my job a lot easier to have somebody that's digging up the stories and willing to uh, take the time and and do the news segment. I appreciate it. Hey, no worries over here, and uh, we'll see you next month. Thanks, Red. Files podcast is sponsored by Emerald City Guitars. Emerald City Guitars is the Northwest's premier vintage guitar store. In fact, it's uh, one of the world's most well-known guitar stores. We specialize in vintage gear. I say we because, hey, I work there. I'm the repair specialist. I've been there for uh, 13 years now, and uh, I do all the all the customer uh, repairs and all of the. Um, a lot of the restorations that happen on a lot of the gear that's that's uh, for sale there. You should check out Emerald City Guitars' website if you haven't. EmeraldCityGuitars.com. You will be astounded at the inventory. It is, it's really amazing, and I'm I'm blessed to work there. It's an awesome store. Uh, you should check it out. So, Emerald City Guitars, check it out. This month, I'm uh, I'm I'm saving up a good one for next month. Well, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I he has not agreed to do it yet, so keep your fingers crossed. And uh, if he agrees to do it, I've got a really good interview for you next month. But there's plenty of questions to answer this month, so we'll fill the time other ways. Uh, I really appreciate everybody that sends in questions. You know, um, I just. I I, can't, I couldn't do the show if you didn't, so please keep them coming. Uh, you can go to ericdaw.com, click the contact link, and uh, send me an email that way. If you want to send in a voicemail, it's uh, the phone number is 757-774-8482. You can call it any time of day or night. Nobody answers that phone. It's just a uh, It's just a voicemail, so you can leave your question there. I'll use it as part of the show. And uh, I really do appreciate all of all of you that that uh, submit questions, and I appreciate everybody that listens. You know, I've uh, been looking at the download numbers, and you know, it's it, it's not uh, the most listened to podcast in the world, but hey, we got quite a few listeners, and I really appreciate it. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, I really wanted to thank um, Michael Van Dieven over at. Uh, ufoship.com there's a uh, a few podcasts over there it's a podcast network site ufoship.com you can find me there or if you just want to go right to the show you go to fretfiles.com that's where you can find a new episode posted every month let's go to the phones answer some more questions Mr. Daw, this is Lincoln. Uh, I've been loving the podcast, man. Great job on that. And uh, I've got a question for you this month. I was curious if you could give us your take on the mastery bridges that are becoming so popular among offset guitar enthusiasts. 
I've got a jazz master thinking about putting one on, and uh, I'm curious how you think it differs, if at all, from the Mustang Bridge. Thanks a lot, and keep up the great work. Goodbye. Yeah, the Mastery Bridge. Um, I've installed a bunch of them uh, on jazz masters, and it's a really well-made product. Uh, I don't know. It's a tricky question for me to answer because I'm I got to be honest with you, I'm not a huge Jazzmaster fan. I love Fender guitars, I love Telecasters, also love Stratocasters. That's kind of where it ends. Their Jazzmasters uh are really not my favorite and they're they're a quirky guitar for the modern player and the reason is uh is that those guitars were were designed for the kind of strings that were being used at the time. So it was designed in the 50s, really designed to be used with 12-gauge strings, or very heavy strings, with a wound third. Um, and uh, it was meant to be a jazz guitar, but I've never seen a jazz guitar player use one. Uh, it was made popular, really, by The Ventures and a bunch of other surf bands, and then later, um, you know, different crazy punk rockers and and grungers picked up on the jazz master but uh yeah a really strange guitar because of the way it's engineered um the way that the strings pass over the bridge and then head to the tailpiece there's not really enough angle there to accommodate modern strings modern strings tend to jump in and out of the saddles when you play and there's also, because because there's not enough angle between the bridge and the tailpiece, uh, you get buzzing and you get just weirdness. It's it's not really a good design for modern strings. Works pretty good with 12s, but uh, you put a set of 10s on there and you've got problems. Um, and aside from that, it's a very strange guitar electronically. Uh, it has uh, kind of redundant controls way too many knobs and switches. By the way, if you want to really confound a uh, a guitar store worker, uh I was going to say guitar center. If you want to if you want to really confound a guitar center employee, ask them what all the knobs and switches do on a Jazzmaster. You'll uh you'll see them disappear very quickly and search the internet. <laughs> And come back with an, a strange answer. It, it's, uh, it's a very, uh, it's not very well understood by most players. It has a lot of, uh, a lot more knobs and switches than it should. The other thing I don't like about Jazzmasters, as long as I'm on the subject, right, uh, is that the pickups um, are probably the most prone to hum out of any pickup that you can get, aside from. Maybe a, a Charlie Christian pickup, but they, they hum worse than anything. They hum worse than P90s. They hum worse than Strat or Tele pickups. Uh, they're unfortunately a, a very good antenna, and they pick up all kinds of stray RF signal. <clears throat> but anyway, they do a, a certain thing, Jazzmasters. It's just not my thing. So anyway, uh, the the cure that a lot of people have come up with to make Jazzmasters work with modern strings is that they've replaced the saddles, and that is uh, uh, a pretty good fix. Traditionally, what you do is you take the saddles off, 
the saddles are these little sections of threaded rod, and they're pretty thick, threaded little rods with uh, with adjustment screws to raise and lower them. And they're kind of um, jumpy, you know, they, they don't stay put. The adjustment screws um, tend to walk up and down on their own. So what people have done is take those off and put Mustang bridge or saddles on there. And the Mustang saddle is a lot better design. It just has one groove in the center for the string to sit in rather than a threaded section with, you know, six grooves that you have to pick one. Um, so you just put the string right in the center. It's got a deeper groove, uh, and it's just a lot better, a lot better solution. So Mustang saddles, I like. The Mastery Bridge came along because I guess they felt like the Mustang saddles weren't a good enough solution. So, uh, they have machined a bridge that has only two saddles. Um, there is, a saddle for the bass strings and a saddle for the treble strings and three grooves in each saddle so uh the only thing i don't like about it and it's it's really well made it's well machined the only thing i don't like about it is you can't really adjust the intonation perfectly um and the manufacturers would probably disagree with that but i i've installed a ton of them and i'm here to tell you that it's it, it's hard to get the intonation just exactly right for every string when you only have two saddles. The other thing I don't like about it really is that it looks funny to me. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a thing of beauty. It's a well-made uh, bridge, but it doesn't look right. It doesn't look, uh, uh, you know, I guess the term is vintage correct, right? It doesn't look vintage correct to me, so it just looks out of place on the guitar. So I prefer... Mustang saddles for two reasons. You can intonate them better and uh, they look more correct on the guitar. That being said, the uh, the Mastery Bridge really is better made. So it's really, you know, a draw as to, you know, if, if I had to make a recommendation. I mean, still, I'm sticking with my recommendation, actually, of Mustang saddles because of the way they look and uh, because you can intonate them. So, yep, that's my opinion, but uh, I think I'm I think I'm think uh, kind of uh, alone in that. I think most guys would, would sing the praises of the Mastery Bridge and tell you how much it's going to change your life and how good it is and how, I don't know, whatever. That's, that's great. Um, but I view Jazz Masters as a problem, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I guess a mastery bridge is a solution, but the real solution is to get rid of the jazz master. <laughs> Lincoln, I'm only kidding. I've I I uh a guy that's got a strat and a telly as well, so I won't pick on you. Jazz masters are cool. Just not for me. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the call. Hi Eric, I have a question about pickups. What's the difference between a pickup that is machine wound versus a pickup that's hand-wound, and how how will that affect the tonal qualities? Thank you. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Machine-wound versus hand-wound pickups. Uh, this is a debate that goes back a long time. Which one's better? And the answer really is that um, 
sometimes machine wound's better and sometimes hand wound is better, uh, they they result in slightly different sounds. And the reason is that machine winding, uh, you'll get a lot more uniform coil, where hand winding, you get what's called a scatter wound pattern. Uh, and uh, what happens is, you know, the, the wire that goes around the magnets of a pickup or the bobbin, the wire that goes around is very, very thin, very thin wire, um, and there are just thousands of turns. And what happens is there is uh, there's capacitance um, from one layer of wire to the next, and so the proximity of each turn of wire to the previous turn of wire will affect this, the, the, the ultimate tone because there's capacitance happening in the pickup, and it's actually interfering with itself. And uh, it will do it differently in a hand-wound versus a machine-wound pickup. And basically, uh, and this is really, really generalizing, but basically a machine-wound pickup is going to t- sound a little brighter. Um, Fender uh, hand-wound their pickups always up until the mid-60s when CBS bought Fender. So all through the 50s and all through the early 60s, those those pickups were all hand-wound. So you would think, oh, hand-wound, that's the way to go. Well, not necessarily, because you look at the other big guitar manufacturer of the 50s, Gibson, and uh, their famous PAF pickup, right, the the PAF humbucker, the patent applied for humbucker, that pickup was machine wound uh, on a famous machine called the Lisona uh, 102 or something like that. I don't remember exactly. You you, you can look it up if you're curious about it. Um, and uh, yeah, Gibson had these machines that would wind, I don't know, five or ten pickups at a time. And it was called the Lisona and... Uh, that's a machine-wound pickup. Well, nobody um, complains that those pickups sound bad because they're machine-wound. Certainly not. In fact, those if you can find one, those pickups are worth about, a you know, I don't know how much, a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks? I'm not even sure how much those are worth, but they're uh, worth a lot of money. So uh, machine-wound isn't necessarily bad. Where machine-winding gets a bad name is in cheap pickups. That are hand, or that are machine wound, because um, if you're just making cheap pickups, then you have cheap components, cheap magnets, cheap wire, um, and so you get a cheap, crappy sounding pickup that was machine wound. Well, it doesn't necessarily sound crappy just because it was machine wound. It sounds crappy because it's a crappy pickup. So uh, there are good hand wound pickups and there are good machine wound pickups. The difference really is that when you hand wind a pickup, you get a scatter wound um, coil that's not as uniform as a machine wound pickup, and it just uh, will interfere with its own coil differently in those two different uh, scenarios. Like I said, typically a machine wound pickup is going to be 
a little bit brighter, and that's a real generalization. But um, that that is a good thing in humbuckers because humbuckers tend to be a little darker than a Fender style pickup. So um, yeah, I go with hand wound on on Fender style pickups. In fact, I hand wound I I hand wind everything. I'll hand wind a, a humbucker. I have no problem doing that. I can make a real nice coil, um, and I you know you can get real scatter wound or you can uh really lay the the wire down real uniform by hand and get a nice uniform pickup that way anyway so kind of a complicated answer but um yeah that is the deal so thank you for the call that wraps it up for this month's episode of the fret files make sure to visit me uh online ericdaw.com and submit your questions or you can call the number 757-774-8482 thanks to michael van dieven at ufoship.com thank you to red with the news and thanks to my wife melissa for joining me in the uh, first segment that was really nice to have somebody else read the questions i think i'm going to have her do that Uh, when she's available to do it or if she wants to do it in the future. It's kind of cool. So, have a good month, everybody. I will talk to you uh, next time around. Thank you. Thank you.